Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you're going to want to make sure you subscribe to this show and this episode because my brother's story is going to knock your socks off. Now, he's a keynote speaker. He does all the great things, future podcast host, hopefully, but he served 13 years in prison, three-time felon, and now... He is changing the world, helping people to come back. That's the kind of story we love to hear. Weldon, brother, welcome to the show. Richard, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm really looking forward to this. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. And I really love that intro music because I'm still jamming. (laughs) I love it, brother. So, you know, real quick before I, because I got a traumatic brain injury. If I don't ask the question, I always forget. What is your definition of resiliency? You know, really, to me, resiliency is the ability to thrive in the face of adversity, to prosper in the face of challenges. When you look at life, uh, everybody has challenges, right? Problems. And people have the same challenges. There's three challenges that everybody faces in the course of their life. Relationship challenges, financial challenges, and health challenges. And it's not a matter of whether or not we're going to face those challenges. It's a matter of when and what we're going to do about it. So to me, resiliency is when we can thrive in the face of those inevitable difficulties with relationships, money, and health. Okay. Now, I love that. Now, if somebody would see you now, they'd be like, oh, you know, he's a keynote speaker. He's New York Times bestseller. Um, It's all rainbows and unicorns, but they don't realize the shit that you went through. So give us a quick down and dirty about who you are and how you became the superstar that you are today. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, not at the outset, I'll just say everything that I had to overcome, I created. And I know a lot of your uh, audience have served in the military and faced challenges, not of their own making. And so I never want to equate the challenges that I faced because I created my own adversity uh, through a lack of responsibility, a lack of character, a lack of integrity. And I will just tell you that I dropped out of high school in ninth grade I was a punk. I was a knucklehead. Started running the streets uh, when I was 23 years old. One night high on cocaine, I picked up a hitchhiker. He and I got the bright idea of holding two men at gunpoint, which we did. Uh, We were summarily arrested. And a few months later, I was sentenced to 10 years in the Colorado State Department of Corrections. I had never been in jail before. I'd never been arrested. I was a punk to be sure, but I'd never been involved in criminal activity. But one night of really stupid decisions, and there I was. So I did about four and a half years. Uh, and uh, got out the first time in 1991 after doing four years, hit the streets again. Now I'm a convicted felon on top of being a ninth grade high school dropout, no education, no skills, start running with some guys I met in the joint. Within two years, I was back in prison the second time, this time for gun charges and parole violations. I got lucky. They only sent me back for two years. I got out again at 30 years old, and uh, now I'm a two-time convicted felon, ninth grade high school dropout, just a, uh, just a knucklehead to be sure. And got involved with some guys out in Las Vegas doing some sketchy telemarketing. I tell people I should have been suspicious when they hired me. (laughs) It doesn't say much about their their iron practices. Did that for about a year and a half until one day the feds popped in and took us away in handcuffs. And I was indicted on federal money laundering and mail fraud charges and sentenced to the federal joint for seven years. Uh, And then at uh, 39 years old, I walked out at the end of that sentence. But uh, some things had changed in that last trip to the penitentiary. And I came out of the joint to a homeless shelter in 2003, which I was 39 years old at the time, 20 years ago. 
And within five years, built an Inc. 5000 business, started writing books and speaking, consulting and teaching other people what I learned through my story. And it's those lessons that really built that foundation to be able to, to, to build this stage in my career. All right. So, you know, for me, everybody knows that I'm a ninth grade dropout. Um, I joined the military the first time, got thrown out for being an addict, got back in, which is unheard of. Yeah. Uh, almost got thrown out a second time, but I got hurt on duty, lost my vision and they medically discharged me. But like you said, and I wrote this down, anytime I write something down, it's just because I want to remember it because it means that much to me. But, you know, a guy named Grant Cardone wrote an amazing book and he's a recovering addict. Yeah. But something that he said in this book, I, the only thing I really got out of the whole book was, you know, whatever happens in your life, it's your fault. Right. And once you decide, okay, everything is my fault. I own my shit. Your life starts to get better. Once you stop blaming, well, my, it was my grandfather, my father, my father didn't show me enough love. You know, that's why I, that's why I became an addict. That's why, no, you know, all that stuff. Cause eventually you had to come to a realization, you know, cause like I tell everybody, if you, if you're a guy and you've been in 12 different relationships, right. you're the common denominator, you're the problem. Right. So if you were going back to prison, eventually you had to sit there one day and say, you know what, this is not working. Right. Something's got to change. Yeah. So tell us what that come to Jesus moment was when you're sitting in that cell. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I've been married over 30 years. If you count all my marriages and stack them up end to end, it's been well over 30 years. So I, I'm down with the 12 relationship thing. Uh, so for me, the moment of clarity, the epiphany, if you will, uh, the recognition, it was a very specific day in my life. It was June 10th of 1996. At that time, I had already done about six years in the state of Colorado joint. Now I'm in the federal joint starting seven years. And on June 10th of 1996, I received the news that my father had died. And he died very young at 59 years old. I was 32 then. And uh, when my dad died, the first thing that occurred to me is that dad went to his grave with me in prison again. You know, my dad was a career military guy. He was a Navy in the Coast Guard. He never understood my life choices the way I lived my life. He just couldn't relate to it, you know, given his background, the way he lived his life. And uh, when I realized that I had just squandered this opportunity with my dad, at the time I had a son who was three years old. I had fathered him when I was out on parole. And so I had a three-year-old son that I had abandoned. I had a father that I had disappointed. And I made a decision, Richard, on, on that day that I was going to uh, to be a man that my father could have been proud of, and I was going to be the father that my son deserved. And it was that decision that set me out on this journey. Now, I had a long way to go because, you know, I mean, where do you turn the Titanic of that life around? <laughs> I'm, I'm right in the middle of 13 years in prison with no education, but it was that decision. And what you just said about owning your own shit and everything being our fault, I have a simple acronym that I use, very similar, called CPA. I cause, permit, or allow everything in my life that happens to happen. And I will tell you that to me, it's the height of emotional maturity and the height of personal responsibility when you can see your role in all the people you're mad at, all the people you resent, all the people you're angry at. When you can see the role that you played in that breakdown of that relationship, that is emotional maturity. That is personal responsibility. Uh, but it's a difficult place to get to. But like you said, when you get there, man, it's freedom right? It's, it's freedom. Okay. So now I, I definitely want to talk. So, because 
I believe if you anybody ever wants to be successful, you need to get into sales. Yeah. Uh, whether it's face to face, door to door, you need to learn to take a lot of no's. <laughs> and you know, and unfortunately, unfortunately, you take a lot of no's, uh, and unfortunately, you take a lot of no's. But once you've realized, okay, every time I ask, ten people are going to say no for every one person. So that means. I'm excited when I get to that ninth or 10th, because I know somebody's going to be saying yes. So right. talk to us a little bit about that, you know, coming out. Cause like when I first got out in my, I, I took a sales job, I sold timeshare yep. and I took a lot of notes. I took, I heard a lot of bullshit, but I think it was the greatest thing. So talk to us about, about being 39 years old, just getting out of the joint ninth grade dropout, but you're find something called, sales. Yeah. And the sales profession, I have a lot of appreciation. It is the sales profession that really gave me an opportunity to, to build a life. It's funny. I was out in Nashville last week doing a three-day sales boot camp. I've written a couple of sales books, as you can see here behind me. And, and uh, you know, what you just said about the nose, this group I was working with, they run about 500 sales calls per year and they get paid about 200 grand. So it works out to $400 for every sales call. So I'm like, it doesn't matter what they say, yes or no. You get $400 every time you knock on a door on average. So why worry about the no's? If you stay focused in your process, you're going to get plenty of yeses. But getting back to your question, January 2003, I'm 39 years old. I finally walk out of the penitentiary and I'm trying to find a job because my mission is to find a job, get a place to live and get my son. By the time I got out, that three-year-old little boy was 10 years old. So I was trying to, to build a stable life that I could get him. He was living with a, a family member on his mother's side. And so I started knocking on doors and it took a long time. Uh, January in Colorado, it's cold. I don't have a car, obviously. I'm walking and riding the bus. And for six months, I'm knocking on doors. I'd walk into any business I could find. And I had a little spiel I would use, Richard. I'd say, hi, I'm, I'm Weldon Long. I just need one job, one shot, one opportunity. I'll never lie to you or steal. I just need a chance to sell more of anything that everybody sold here ever before. And people would say, wow, that's a great attitude. We need that attitude. And I'd be like, well, there's a little more to the story. You know, I kind of went to prison for 13 years and People would, you know, would shun me, obviously, uh, a lot of baggage. But finally, after six months of knocking on doors, ironically, I walked in to the doors of a little heating and air conditioning company. I didn't know the first thing about heating and air conditioning, uh, but they were looking for a salesperson. And all I needed to know basically was how to properly size a system. And I didn't need to know the mechanical, technical part of it. And I went out my very first month in July of 2003. After getting that job, I sold $149,000 of air conditioners. I made 12 or 13,000 in commissions. And uh, I never looked back. I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, a year and a half later, I opened my own company. I grew that from zero to $20 million in five years and sold it in 2010. Uh, I have since then helped hundreds of other companies build their small companies. Small business is small business, right? Build an org chart, departmentalize your financials, flow chart your customer service experience, You know, train your salespeople, train your operations people, any rocket science right? It's the little things we do consistently. Uh, I started a new company three years ago when COVID started uh, because I was traveling 200,000 miles a year. My speaking, of course, that came to a screeching halt when COVID hit because nobody's doing conventions. All that stuff got canceled. I started another little HVAC company three years ago. Uh, we're in our third year. That little company did $9 million this year. Just working the fundamentals of building a business, focusing you know, on that sales process. I tell people I'm not in you know, uh, the HVAC business or the window business or the roofing business, I'm in the sales and marketing business. And I just happen to install these various things. It's about 
isolating and perfecting and auto automating to the extent possible the sales process. But it's a sales process that gave me all these opportunities. All right. Now, before we go, because I want to take a deep dive into there, I want to thank our sponsors. Guys, ever since my book, A Hero's Journey, got published in this magazine, wow. it has hit number one on Amazon twice in the recovery and addiction spaces. It's no longer, you can't find it in any, any bookstore. They're all sold out. But if you are interested in finding out what addiction really looks like and what depression actually looks like, pick up the book and 100% of the proceeds, every single penny goes to Project Die Hard, which helps veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. I don't make a penny off of it. It all goes to saving lives. And second of all, if you guys want to start your own show, this company, StreamYard, will throw you cash to start your own show so you don't have an excuse not to start your show. Hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there. So if you want interested in the show, write show, interested in the book, write the book. Now, well, I want to ask you because I, I did 23 years in the military, um, but I also spent a lot of time in detoxes and rehabs. And that got me learning how to read a room, how to talk to people. And I think that is one of the most underused skills mm. that you could ever find. Like, like for me, if I, I'm in recovery. I've been clean 33 years. Thank God. If I go into a jail and prison and speak, they know if I'm bullshitting them or not. Right. They know if I'm the real deal or not. And I know how if I'm walking into a room, I can read the room. I know how to talk to certain people. So talk to us how, you know, you took some of the past experiences that I'm sure helped you become the man you are today because you learned how to read a room. You learn how to read people's faces. You learn how to watch for tells. And I think that's all part of being successful in sales. So talk about that a little bit. You know, and, and it's funny, Richard, because I think people who have dealt with struggle, dealt with some of the issues you've talked about with, uh, you know, depression, the PTSD and stuff, they often can come from uh, military service just because of the things you guys have to deal with. Uh, I think that uh, that you learn to read people in a very subtle, subtle way, like not even consciously, right, but subconsciously. And for me, that experience came from being in prison. Like you have to learn to deal with every individual, you know, where they are, because, you know, it can be a very uh, a conflicted, potentially dangerous interaction with just anybody in there, depending on what they're dealing with and what, you know, emotional issues they might have coming on. And, and I think one of the things that helped me a lot was my father was career military, as I mentioned. And back in those days, you know, we moved every year or two, right? My whole life growing up. That, that teaches you to, to, to read people very quickly, make friends very quickly. The situation in prison has taught me, as you said, to read people, look for tells very quickly, to know how to navigate that situation. And then my business success has helped me interact with people that are very, very successful. It's one of the things I credit a lot of my success to that I can relate with people anywhere on this, anywhere on, on this spectrum from the, the guy and the homeless guy, you know, to the CEO of a fortune 50 company. I was doing an event. Uh, this was probably five or six years ago. I had been invited to speak at the Nebraska state penitentiary to a group of lifers there who were uh, trying to find meaning and purpose in their life, doing a life sentence. And they were reading uh, one of my books and they created a workshop on it. And they, they wrote me a letter and got the warden to write me a letter, to see if I come and speak with them. Well, it just so happened I was on my way to Memphis, Tennessee to speak at FedEx. And so we did that same trip, that trip the same week. So I flew in to Nebraska. I spent the day at the Nebraska State Penitentiary talking to these guys. 
about their challenges, flew on to Memphis that night. The next day I'm speaking to 200 of the top executives at FedEx, including uh, the CEO at the time. And the message was the exact same message, right? The same message that is about giving hope and purpose to lifers is the same message about giving hope and purpose to successful executives. And I think it's the ability to be able to relate to many, many, many people along that, you know, the, that different, different personality types that can help us. And I'll tell you that, you know, people, people talk about IQ and being so smart. I got 103 IQ and people always laugh at There's no way you have 103 IQ. You do this, you do that. Well, I've had it tested three times, right? And every time it was 103, but I have a very high EQ, right? The emotional quotient. And I think that's a hundred times more important for success in business. Now, if we're in a library or we're on freaking uh, one of these game shows, right? Jeopardy or something, your IQ of 140, 160 is better than my 103, right? But put me in a situation where I got to figure out who I need to talk to and how I need to talk to them to get myself out of that. And I'll take my high EQ over a high IQ every single day, right? Building a successful company is way more about people than intellect, right? And I know a lot of your audience are building their companies. It's way more about interacting with people and relationships than being the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, for the same thing with me, like I always say, you know, I, I mean, I, I have, I, I dropped out in ninth grade, but I've read over 6,000 books wow. and I have 15 books going at one time, which drives my wife absolutely <laughs> bananas. That's but great. because I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm addicted to knowledge now instead of drugs. Yeah. But um, you put me in any room. I'm walking out. I'm all right. I'm good. Right. You know, right. I can talk to the lawyers, the doctors. I can talk to the prison. I'm just like you. But something I, I, w- I really want to harp on today is um, I one of my favorite sayings is is kiss- consistency will always trump intensity over the long haul. Absolutely. Because you see a lot of people, they start out hot. Now, like I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. You know, I, I love um I was a big Kobe guy. I love the Mamba mentality. And I was listening to an interview with him with Patrick Bet David last night. And he said, the reason I was great is because I was consistent. Mm-hmm. He said, I would consistently shoot a thousand free throws before the game and then a thousand afterward, after the game. He said, I was consistent for 20 years. He said, you know, there's a lot of guys that came out hot. They, you know, won scoring titles. And then three years later, they're out of the game. Yeah. So talk to us, because I love what you talk about, the power of consistency. Talk about it. Yeah, that book, uh, The Power of Consistency, uh, that's the one you mentioned. It's New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller. And uh, it really is about creating the consistency mindset for salespeople, business people. And I agree with you completely what you just said, right? Because I, I have a similar saying. It's, it's about success in sales and business. It's not about the scope of what you do. It's about the consistency with which you do the little things, right? It's not the big things. It's the little things. I think it was Jim Rohn that success is, is all about doing the, uh, the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And so that really is what it's about. When you think about sales, for example, building a business, uh, there is the, the process of sales, right? The process of running a sales call, and there's the outcome. Well, I, as the sales professional, I control the process, and my prospect, my customer owns the result. They get to decide at the end if they're going to buy from me or not. And they will vote with their checkbook. So far too many salespeople worry so much about the outcome. 
Are they going to buy from me? Are they not going to buy from me? You know, whatever. They get so obsessed on the outcome that they don't control, that they don't focus and execute on their process. The key is to go in every sales call and execute on a consistent basis on the process. Consistent sales results come from consistent sales activities. Random sales results come from random sales activities. So the key is simply to figure out your process, document it, and then repeat over and over and over again. If there are times that you find out certain things work better for you, then you know gradually you can change your process. But once you get that process, it's about executing on that process, not worrying about the result. You have 100% control over the process. You got 0% control over the outcome. So the key for salespeople is to focus on what they are doing, right? Their execution on their process. Every sales process breaks down to four basic components. Build a relationship, investigate the problem, solve the problem, and ask for the damn order, right? Those are the four components of really any sales process. And that's what we got to focus on. How good am I at building relationships? The stuff you're talking about, reading people, interacting with people. How good am I at building relationships? How good am I at investigating and finding out the problems? How good am I at, at, at creating solutions to those problems? And how good am I at asking for the order? That's what you got to focus on. And if you're consistent at those things, over time, you're going to have the right results. You do not control the outcome. That's the customer's job. You got to focus on what you can control, which is you. And, you know, I love that. And like I said, I'm a big sports guy. And I, I used to love watching um, the 49ers with Jerry Rice and oh, yeah. with, with Deion Sanders. And they had an interview with both of them. And they said, you know, your guys, your uniform is always clean. He said, because Jerry said, you look good, you pay good, I get paid good. Yeah. And I, because I think it's all a matter of the way you set your day up. Like if you ever watched, I was a big basketball guy, and I used to watch Steve Nash, and he would always do this before he ever shot every free throw. That was show, telling his wife he loves her. But mm. before he shot every free throw, he had something that he did before he did it. So I think like what you're saying is, we set ourselves, you have to set yourself up for failure. Like I had my friend Daniel Gomez was on the show last week and he was saying, you know, you, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm. So if you're, if you're a salesperson and you come to me and you don't even have a pen, you don't deserve to be in sales. Right. You know what I mean? So talk to us a little bit about, cause like I had um, talking about what you were just talking about with just this, there's four sales processes you know, I had uh, Steve Sims on last week, and everybody knows Steve Sims. But he says, if you want to really succeed in business, under-promise and over-deliver yeah. every time. Like, I know if I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get the ultimate service every time. Right. And that's consistency. So right. talk to us about, you know, being consistent, not only before the sale, but after the sale, sometimes even more important. Yeah. Well, well, first, I want to touch on the Chick-fil-A thing real quick, because you're exactly right. So last night, I'm talking to my wife's sister. We're making plans for Thanksgiving. And uh, my brother-in-law is going to fry a turkey. And so I got the turkey in the fryer stuff. And she said he needs peanut oil to fry it in. I'm like, peanut oil? I don't like the taste of peanut butter. She goes, well, do you like Chick-fil-A? I'm like, I love Chick-fil-A. She goes, they do everything in peanut oil, right? I said, okay, I'm gonna love the turkey, right? That's consistency, right? When you think of McDonald's, I doubt that you think that McDonald's is the best hamburger on the planet, right? But the thing about McDonald's that works for them is consistency. 
when I'm in a different city, I can be in LA, I can be in New York City. When I go into a McDonald's, I know exactly what I'm going to get, right? Now, I may not think it's going to be the best hamburger, but I know exactly what it is that I'm going to get. So my expectations are met on a consistent basis. So I agree with you uh, completely that it's about executing on a consistent basis. You talked about after this, after the call, right? Which is life, everything outside of the sales call. When you, when you find out, you know, you mentioned the quote just now, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So Stephen Covey is one of my mentors and a very dear friend of mine. He endorsed my books uh, before he passed away. And, and Covey used to talk about the universal laws of success, right? Universal principles of prosperity and wealth. And those are, you know, consistency, execution, honor, integrity, faith, fidelity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he used to say that, you know, you cannot compromise those principles. You can only compromise yourself against those principles. Kind of like Moses said, you can't break the law. You can only break yourself against the law. And when I was sitting in prison and started reading Stephen Covey and reading some of these things, I realized that, that these principles were at work in my life, even though I was trying constantly to violate them. As a criminal, as a, as, as, a, as a lawbreaker, as a thief, as a liar, all those things that I was, I was never really compromising honor, character, and integrity. I was compromising myself against those principles. The principles are at work, whether you recognize them, whether you agree with them or not. Covey used to use the example of gravity. You don't have to understand gravity or agree with gravity for it to work. It works. Success principles are the same way. They're at work consistently in your life. The question is not whether or not you're going to beat those principles because you're never going to beat them. It's a, it's a question of whether or not you're going to get an alignment with those principles or whether you're going to try to challenge those principles uh, to your own demise. So it's about executing on a consistent basis on the principles that we all agree are consistent with success. I love that. Now, also, as you said, I'm writing stuff down. Um, I lost my vision about three years ago. So when I started my podcast, I was 80% blind. Wow. But my hearing got so much better. And <laughs> one good thing about having a podcast, I actually hang on every person's word. And But you said, you know, the person that I was. And for me, I realized that the person that I say I am is what matters. It's not what others say I am. Right. It's who I said I am and who God says I am. Mm -hmm. So talk about that because a lot of people would say, you know what? I'm 39 years old. Um, I'm a loser. I'm a three-time loser. I'm never going to have a great business. You're never going to have a great marriage. And yeah. then the, the bums you're going to hang out with the rest of your bums, they're going to say, yeah, you're right. You're just like us. So talk to us for those people yeah. that are looking, that want to get out, but are still having that negative self-talk. Yeah. First of all, I want to just say, Richard, you're a stud, dude. You are awesome. And the success that you're having and face the challenges it's just, I mean, it's really, really cool. I really, really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. Uh, but in terms of, it's a very good point. When I got out of prison the first time, I was 27 years old. And when I walked out of the joint the first time, uh, of course, the first thing I said was, I'm never going back, right? But the problem was I had started the process of identifying myself the way other people were defining me, a convict loser. I started buying into that hype. It was negative hype, but you know, I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I'm like, I guess this is who I am, right? I walked out of the penitentiary the second time. First thing I said is I'm never going back, but I had still uh, engaged in the process. I'm buying into the definition 
of what society is saying I'm in. You're a convict. You're dangerous. We got to put you in prison. I started believing all those things. It wasn't until my father died and I started reading and studying and learning what successful people do and how they think that I realized when I walked out of prison the last time, I didn't have to define myself the way they were trying to define me. I could define myself as a great dad, as a winner, as a successful entrepreneur. And that's the process of what I started doing. I started defining me based on the script that I wanted to, to, to live, not on what other people were telling me. People will say horrible things to you, right? If you buy into that, if you start buying in to the negativity, the, 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 uh, the, the disempowering statements and the disempowering interpretations people have of you, then it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy in a very negative way. But if you buy into the vision that you have for yourself, the exact opposite happens. One of the first things after my dad died, the first book I picked up, ironically, was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And in the introduction of that book, he makes what seems like such an obvious statement now, but the time I read it 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was like my brain fried, right? He said, you have the ability to live out of your imagination rather than your past. And that was like, what? I thought my past pretty much dictated who I was. It defined who I am. And I had always heard that. In the penitentiary, one of the first things you learn is, hey, your life is in here, right? Your life is behind these walls. And then all of a sudden, I read Cubby's book. He's like, no, 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 let your imagination soar. And one of the things I learned, most important lessons I've learned, is that your success in life will never exceed your expectations and your expectations will never exceed your imagination. You have to dream big. You have to live out of your imagination rather than your past. That was a game-changing realization for me. And, you know, one thing I love, and one of my favorite, and I'm an old white guy, and one of my favorite movies of all time is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And the best thing I love when he was in prison, he said, the prison may hold my body, but my mind is free. So it's amazing what our minds can do. So talk to us a little bit about how, you know, because I'm sure, like you said, you've talked to the the CEO of uh, FedEx. You've talked to all these CEOs. And like me, I've talked to all these, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine figure earners, uh, you know, Navy SEALs, special ops. And they all have something special about them. And for everybody that I've talked to, all anybody that's ever been successful, their whole thing that made them successful was they said that either I'm going to die, but I'm not going to quit. Right. I'm going to keep coming back right. no matter what. So out of all the people you've talked to, what has been some of the major things that they all have in common? I think you could summarize it kind of kind of along the lines of what you just said is that there's nothing wrong with falling down, right? We all fall down. We all fail from time to time. We struggle. We have setbacks. So there's nothing wrong with falling down. There's everything wrong with laying down because laying down is giving up, right? And it's like that old, uh, I think it was Lao Tzu that said, you know, uh, a fall down six times, get up seven, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the secret. Fall time, fall down nine, get up 10, right? That's it, It's about never giving up and that persistence and that will to thrive. One of the examples I use is let's say that, that, that I'm, I'm in Colorado Springs right now. And let's say my wife is in Denver 
and I hear that she is uh, hurt, she's in trouble, and I have to get there or she's going to perish, right? And I say, okay, I'm heading out there. I jump in my car, I start driving, and I have a flat tire. Do I give up? Hell no, I fix the tire. Let's say I go a few more miles and another tire blows out. And when I get out of my car, uh, another car comes by and hits me and breaks my leg. Do I give up and say, oh, honey, I tried. There's nothing that would keep me from getting up there to save her, right? The question is, how bad do you want it, right? If, if I want it bad enough, then I'll hitchhike. I'll walk. I'll walk through, through rain and snow and cold and blowing temperatures. I'm never going to give up until either I get there or I perish. But as long as I'm alive, I'm not giving up. That's how bad you have to want the things in your life, right? Because if you don't have that kind of purpose, if you don't have that kind of drive, then then you will give up. You have to be able to, James Allen's one of my favorites. And it's I can see the book from here because I just unpacked it from my trip last week. But it's a it's about four inches uh, thick of James Allen uh, essays. And he talks about purpose and he talks about the thinker and the purpose. And we are the thinker and the purpose uh, is the thing we want. Between the thinker and the purpose will be obstacles. And the thing that will determine whether or not I reach the purpose is the degree to which I am able to overcome adversity. And the degree to which I'm able to overcome adversity depends on one thing, my commitment to the purpose right? If your purpose is so strong, then you will overcome every adversity, just like you have in your life, just like I have in my life. Because, you know, when, when, you, when you're committed to an outcome and it's like becomes another strand of your DNA, right? It affects every cell of your body. For me, that was getting out of prison and finding my son. It drove everything I did for seven years until I got out and got it, right? It's about having that commitment that you never surrender, you never give up, you're going to fall down from time to time. That's fine. But you can't lay down. Fall down seven, get up eight. It's that simple. You know, and I love it. And I, I'm, I'm listening to a, a book by Mr. Robert Cialdini called Influence. Oh, yeah. Powerful. He talks about, he says, the man doesn't drown because he fell in the water. It's because he didn't get out of the water and he drowned. <laughs> right. Right? right? So the last question, um, how do we find you? How do we support your mission? Where do we find your books and what do you have coming up next? Awesome. So my website is weldonlong.com, W-E-L-D-O-N, long, L-O-N-G, weldonlong.com. That's the easiest way. Obviously, my books and all that kind of stuff are on Amazon. And uh, the biggest thing we're working on now is something new we just launched called The Profit Paradigm. And really, it's it, it's about building small businesses from the ground up. I've had a lot of successful small companies. I've helped thousands of other people and there's pretty much a formula. And I see a lot of small companies struggling. People go into business so they can have time and money freedom. And very often they, they find that they end up with not very much time, not very much money, and not very much freedom. And so what we try to do is to, to give people a roadmap. We, we take them by the hand and help them organize that business, kind of you know get rid of the chaos, organize around processes, and create profits. That's the big thing we're working on right now. You can find out more information just through the website, weldonlong.com. I love it. So, brother, I'm so grateful and humbled and honored that we finally get to chat. Uh, thank you to your assistant for hooking this all up, for doing yep. all this. Truly amazing. Um, and like I said, I love your book. The, and I, it's just, I think I'm on my, I think I'm almost on my third iteration of it. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, man. And because, because just the 
consistency is so important to me. So guys, uh, make sure you check out. He's very easy to get in touch with. I mean, you email him, he get, usually gets right back to you. Yeah. You know, check him out on, on LinkedIn. He's doing some great things on LinkedIn. So definitely check him out. Um, guys, I also want to say, uh, you know, my three, the three most important words in the English language are today, I decide. Those are the three things that, you know, because you don't have to be the same person that you woke up this morning when you go to bed tonight. You decide whether you want to be a victim or a victor. So make make sure that you make the right decisions today, because whatever decisions you make today is where you're going to be in five years. Brother, I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful for you. And hopefully this is the beginning of an amazing relationship. Absolutely. Richard, thank you so much, man. It's just you're a rock star, and I appreciate you having me on. I've really enjoyed our conversation. All right. Well, then keep on crushing it, brother. And thank you. Thank your assistant for hooking us all up, hooking us all up. Awesome, brother. I'll do so. Take care of yourself, man. All right, guys. Remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So, if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey From Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives.